Thundergrunt Podcast Network. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Are you ready to start the episode? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting on you. Yeah, I'm ready. Absolutely. Well, okay, so uh, we never really talk about this, but when I do research, uh-huh. okay, I always do it on my laptop. Yeah. So I, I, I can have it there as, you know, in case I need to look something up or a date mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And when you do research, you print it all out. Or write it all down, like, 1940s style. Yeah, if yeah. I had a typewriter. Like you're a hard-boiled detective. I am. Yeah, see? <laughs> Seriously. That's the only way I can get stuff to stick. Like, in your brain? Yeah, I have to, like, actually, you know, have that physical, tactile response to information. Okay, all right. So, I understand that. But I always look it up on my computer, so I have to, like, manage all my web pages and make sure they're all moved around properly. Right, right. So if we're doing an uh, an episode like today, mm-hmm. where we're covering, covering several topics, I try to make sure that they're all condensed into the same area. Okay. So uh, since we're discussing, you know, what we're doing today, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's tell everybody. We're doing a sequel. Yes. This is Noteworthy <laughs> Animals 2. Do. Part de. Part uh, de. Yeah. And uh, the best part about it is, is we have uh, our guest from the first Notable Animals. We brought the same cast back for we the did. sequel. We did. It's the repeat. It's part du. Yeah. We have uh, we have Jason, our, our, our uh, uh, what, what are you? Your pet. A pet orthist. Pet orthist. That's right. I have no real, no real knowledge of animals whatsoever. No. I none see them every now and then. I mean, some yeah. feet look kind of like animals. Every now and then. <laughs> you know. Every now and then. But no, but you know what? You really wanted to be on the very first episode because yeah. you were like what well, we were talking about uh i was the, fired up about gustav, gustav the killer yeah, croc the killer yes. croc that really yeah. brought me on and uh you know they hit me up a couple weeks ago and said we need to do a repeat and i said well okay we'll we'll do that and here i am that's right so <laughs> we'll um, do that and now i'm here between joe and i we <laughs> relatively easy to get you on board it wasn't hard <laughs> you're like yeah i guess okay. you guys are gonna come to my apartment right <laughs> Yeah, we're not actually in Curioso Studios right no, now. No, no, we're, we're like a pizza delivery service. Table. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, just like last time, we did five uh, noteworthy animals, and uh, you'll notice that I continually say noteworthy or notable uh, when I have kind it. Kind of on, both. Yeah, when I have it on the website, it's called noteworthy animals because right. that's what I wrote it down as. But I've been mistakenly calling the episode notable animals mm-hmm. uh every single time i mention it so but that was uh, episode number 18 in case you guys want to go back and listen to these back to back right so just like last time we picked out five uh, animals joe and i picked out four together mm-hmm. and we told jason uh you need to come up with one so we'll we'll get to yours a little bit later yeah it took a little bit of research i went through the annals of history to try to find my notable animal and i think i've come up with one that uh might be a little bit off key but something that will be enjoyable nonetheless well if there's anything that joe and i like it is the annals of history <laughs> right especially like, when the annals are off key we all like going back in the annals <laughs> uh, so i really need a drum set 
But um, but yeah, you need one of those little little tiny mini kid little ones. ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> Joe, we're just past the uh, just past February. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And what happens in February, Joe? Uh, say it's Black History Month. Yeah, it's true. Um, there, it my little sister's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is in February? It's spelled really weird. Um, oh, that awesome. Uh, Bill Murray movie, Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Ooh. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that awesome Bill Murray movie, Groundhog's Day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about one of the pivotal characters besides Bill Murray. This of Groundhog's Bill Murray, Day. Right? <laughs> this is Bill Murray. It's, Bill like, Murray. it's like him standing. No, no, the whole don't drive angry scene. I know, I know. Yeah. Puxatawney Phil. That's right. Little so tiny greasy rodent. Are they rodents? Yes, I see they are them rodents. along the roadside all during springtime, and you see them, and they they catch me out of the corner of my eye, and I, mm. I see them. They're always on the side of the road, and I'm like, "Get off the side of the road, groundhog! I don't want to hit you because <laughs> yeah. they're so freaking adorable." To me. Well, and you have to understand, they're just trying to tell you the future. <laughs> yeah, where well, they are <laughs> as they, you drive by, they're whispering to you. Your future, Chris. They are the seer of seers, Joe. This is true. Mm-hmm. So Puxatawney is a town that's 90 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. It's in an intersection of Route 36 and Route 119. How close to Centralia is that? Uh, well, I mean, if it's 90 miles north of Pittsburgh and Centralia no longer exists, <laughs> it's... It's that quadrant <laughs> F. <laughs> So the name Puxatani comes from an Indian name for the location, Puskunkt Untani, which means the town of the sand flies, which is awful. Have you ever yes. like, gotten bitten? Ugh. Yes. The name Woodchuck comes from an Indian legend, Wojak, W-O-J-A-K. The soldier bear? Oh, it sounds like, no, this yeah. This is going back Wojtek. to episode one. Yeah, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Full circle. Uh, the groundhog considered uh, by them to be an ancestral grandfather. Uh, it was mostly settled by Germans, uh, and they brought the tradition known as Candlemas Day, which is an early origin uh, in the pagan celebration of Imbolc. Is that like Namaste? Well, it came between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. Uh, the su- superstition held that if the weather was fair, the second half of the winter would be stormy and cold uh, for the early Christians in Europe. Uh it was, you know, done by clergy to ble- they would bless candles and distribute them to people in the dark of winter. A lighted candle was placed in each window of the home, which you kind of would see around Christmas time now. Okay, you know, it's yeah. part of the decoration. Yeah, uh, that kind of stems from that. Mm-hmm. So they base Central Pennsylvania weather off of Central Germanic weather. No, no, it's based off of the same. Uh, it's holiday. Ba- yeah, basically the same holiday. Right. right. Yeah, Candlemas Day. Took the same principle and applied it to North America. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, because they were German, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're just like the Christmas tree. We appropriated it from the Germans. Yeah, like the most Germans. cultures that that spread out. Sure. You know, they bring their their customs and things with them. Sure. To different uh, regions. To Central Pennsylvania. Why so. Not? If the sun came out on February 2nd, halfway between winter and spring, it meant six more weeks of wintry weather. The earliest reference of Groundhog Day can be found in the Pennsylvania Dutch folklore at uh, Franklin Marshall College, uh, February 4th, 1841. Hmm. 
So there was a there's an old English saying, if Candlemas be fair and bright, winter has another flight. If Candlemas brings clouds and rain, winter will not come again. And there's there's like a whole bunch of different ones from Germany, from Scotland, uh, and then there's one from America. If the sun shines on Groundhog Day, half half the fuel and half the hay. So basically, okay. meaning you don't have to use as many candles or or you know as much lamp oil, things like that. Right. Now there is actually a uh, a Groundhog Club. Uh, the Groundhog Club that takes care of Puxatawney Phil says that he has a one hundred percent. Accuracy rate one hundred percent. Sound like the yes. Soviets. Soviet yeah. Russia. <laughs> he won hundred percent of the vote. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but mathematically, that's not exactly true. As of last year, uh, Phil's accuracy rate was about thirty nine percent. That sounds than, about right. Yeah, <laughs> low. Yeah. It's low. That is below the fifty percent. He would fail. Yeah, that's actually less than half <laughs> of, of of of. Uh, New York City's go-to groundhog, Staten Island Chuck. See, here's the oh, thing: is that we? <laughs> no, there are so many of these. There are. Well, it's you got to think though, right? It's, and he has eighty-two percent. He has an eighty-two. Staten Island Chuck has an eighty-two percent accuracy rate. Well, he went to college. Why don't we follow Staten Island Chuck? Yeah. I know. Why isn't he? He's more... got street smarts. Well, is it just because Puxitani, uh Phil is is the oldest of the? you know, noteworthy calendar. I think so. He's just like the most celebrated, you know what okay. I mean? Well, it's they just did like make a movie about him. This it's, is true. This is, Which had nothing to do with That's the, true. Really didn't have anything the to do with Groundhog was kind of... He was a passive... He was just a... He was, he was an extra, basically. <laughs> it's kind of like know? the last episode when we were talking about, uh, about uh, what was it, uh, Easter Island mm-hmm. and how it, it just happened to land on that day when they found Easter Island. Right. I, f- right. I think it's just this happened on Groundhog's Day, mm. so that's what we're going to call the movie that. Right. right. I, I understand that. But yeah. we're saying that Staten Island Chuck, his results are a lot better than Phil's. Yeah. 82% well, to 39%. Okay. That's and a big swing. It's way better than Jimmy the Groundhog from Wisconsin. Okay, and Hydrox like cookies bite people. are better than Oreo cookies, but they didn't last. It's just the way things work. <laughs> you I, know I, what I mean? I Hydrox came first, and they tasted better. This is true. But you know what? They didn't last. Now we have Oreos, and you know what? Oreos suck. Well, Sorry. It's, it's it, just the way it is. Like I was saying, it's better than Jimmy the Groundhog from Wisconsin, who just constantly bites people. <laughs> Jimmy the Groundhog from Wisconsin is an asshole. <laughs> right. Basically, he has an attitude. He doesn't want to predict anything. He wants to bite. Yeah, there's a hilarious <laughs> video where he actually, uh, in Wisconsin, they you know, have like the, the Groundhog Whisperer. <laughs> and they listen to the Groundhog. And the last, or this year, uh, old Jimmy took a nibble out of the mayor's ear. Yeah, oh, that is... <laughs> That is absolutely awful. And they are rodents. He's like Mike Tyson, the groundhog. <laughs> they are rodents. Have you ever seen them, their, their teeth? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've got teeth like uh, like what are those, Nutria. How much wood could a woodchuck <laughs> chuck if a woodchuck wood chuck, could chuck wood? Apparently an ear. <laughs> yeah. and, and How much wood could a Staten Island chuck chuck? What was his name, Staten Island Joe? Chuck. Staten Island Chuck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Staten Island Chuck. Staten Island Chuck. There uh, he is. See, we're, what we're trying to say is there's a lot of these groundhogs running around telling the future. Okay, so here's the thing is that, um, okay, so uh, I've got a favorite part, but I'm, I'm just going to save this for a little bit. So uh, basically, the predicting doesn't necessarily go very well, is, mm-hmm. is what we're saying. So, right. um, however, 
it is a long-standing tradition. But you have this this Pennsylvania group that that comes out of there, and they, uh, you know, they've been doing this for a long time in Puxatawney. Now, uh, it is the the Groundhog Club. So apparently, the Groundhog Club was originally a hunting club, and they would hunt groundhogs and eat them. <laughs> Interesting. That so- was actually a part of the festival. Is that they would, you know, see the groundhog and then they would kill it and eat it. So this is like like uh, whacking day on The Simpsons. When uh, used, I guess. used to celebrate snakes and then snakes overran the town. Yes. And they had to they beat, kill them. beat them all with sticks. I wonder how much a groundhog is like a nutria from like the Louisiana swamps. Well, no, gro- the same kind no, no, of. No, no, no. They're, they're totally different. Nutria aren't from here. No, I'm just. No, no, no. But, but the same kind of relevant, like greasy kind of meat bodies. It's, well, it's a rodent with the big, you know, big teeth, giant kind of front same teeth. body style. Well, right. I have yes. here a quote from Pennsylvania historian Christopher R. Davis, and he says that the locals describe the uh, regional delicacy uh, flavored as a cross between pork and and chicken. Interesting. Well, I'd try that. One of my questions is when it's time to retire Phil. Mm-hmm. The this current Phil is I, I believe the 5th or the 6th reincarnation of Puxatani Phil. Yeah, he's Puxatani Phil like the, the, Dalai the sixth. Lama. Yeah. yeah, exactly, or the Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, or the Pope. Oh, he's actually reincarnated every year. I didn't know that. Thank you, I'm Jason. just I'm guessing. <laughs> But when the, the, the predecessor... I'm just kidding. <laughs> when the predecessor decides to retire, or whatever, uh, do they just cook the predecessor and no, eat No, he's too tough by then. I imagine he's, he's dead. old and surly yeah, you know, and tough. I imagine there's got to be like a groundhog graveyard. I there think you have is. that job yeah. till death. I, you know, and let me tell you about this first, and I'll, I will tell <laughs> Two you... Two years from now. <laughs> I will tell you where the groundhog graveyard probably is, but I want to I tell you about this. There's also uh, traditionally served with the groundhog originally. They the also meal. had a... The meal. Not the day. Not the day, yeah. Okay. So they would have a groundhog punch, uh, which is a combination of vodka, milk, eggs, orange juice, and quote-unquote other ingredients. I think mm. when they say other ingredients, it's probably like... You know, like nutmeg and things like that. Chris, I have most of that in my fridge right now. We can <laughs> Are you ready to make that up? Some gr- yeah, some groundhog. Yeah, that sounds up. absolutely disgusting. It actually, does. with the milk, milk and eggs and orange juice, eggs really threw me off. It really, honestly, it sounds like you know somebody has taken all of the breakfast drinks together <laughs> no, wait, and mixed them. I think you pretty much described my diet throughout the day today. Honestly, I think we've gone through most milk, of those eggs, vodka, and other you, ingredients. You actually have groundhog punch in your tummy, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> ironic. You've drank in a couple of screwdrivers and some eggnog. Boom, you're done. But basically, that kind of just morphed into you know. Eventually, you know, we no longer eat the groundhog. Uh, it's no longer on the menu at the annual groundhog picnic. Uh, that would be frightening and, to children, I, I think. Yeah, and and groundhog. Mm-hmm. Punch has kind of morphed into an elixir of life that reportedly keeps Phil young and explains why the same groundhog has been predicting spring in Pennsylvania for over a century. But it's at not the same 39%. groundhog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, at 39% accuracy and about 10% alcohol. I'm going to Staten Island for my I think I found. I think I found Phil's problem. <laughs> there it is. He's an alcoholic. There it is. <laughs> so, so, but, but that's not my favorite part. I, this is my absolute favorite part. And you guys probably remember this from the movie, but I'm guessing where all the groundhogs are buried, there's probably a cemetery on the back of this hill, but the hill that they actually, you know, do the proceedings when mm-hmm. they check to see if he sees a shadow. Right. D- did we even mention that? 
if the groundhog sees a shadow. Oh yeah, go ahead. The whole thing. Yeah, everybody yeah, knows that. That's I how it works. I don't think necessarily pay attention to Groundhog's Day anymore. As an well, older man. I mean, it right. is an American holiday, and we have some uh, people that listen to the uh, the you know. So basically, that aren't American, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, if uh, Pucks and Honey Phil sees his shadow, there's which one is it? I believe it's six more weeks of winter. If he if six. he sees it, right. and if he doesn't, uh, it's an early spring. It's an early spring, right? right. So, so it's, it's supposed six to be nice weeks and warm. Less. Of winter, yeah, right, right. So that's the idea. So it cuts off, yeah. But what do you know? What he did this year? Uh, I'm not sure. I think yes, actually, I do, and I'll get to that too. Uh, but I want to mention that the hill they actually do the proceedings on mm. uh, is called Gobbler's Knob. Gobbler's Knob, <laughs> yeah, I knew that nice. from the movie. Yeah, yeah, I Gobbler's know. Knob. But <laughs> but it's called Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> I always call it Knob Gobblers. <laughs> No, that was a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I've seen that one too. Oh, geez, sorry, it hurts me. It hurts me. Oh, okay. So basically, there was uh, this year in 2015. Let's see, because his predictions, I will tell you right now, depending on what you say, whether he was accurate or not. At least for the Mid Atlantic region, I believe Delmarva. that he actually yeah. said that spring was ready. Um, but as we all know, that is untrue. So uh, actually, an arrest warrant was issued for Puxatawney Phil in New Hampshire. Really? Yeah, arrest. because of, because he was wrong. Uh, they uh, yeah, the New Hampshire State Police uh, put out a, an arrest warrant for Puxatawney Phil, uh, and which is kind of upsetting to me. <laughs> Uh, you know, our tax dollars are going to work. Yeah, right That's there, right? right? <laughs> yeah, but police I mean, in New Hampshire have issued, uh, issued an arrest warrant for Puxatawney Phil, citing his failure to di- disclose that six more weeks of winter was consistent, uh, was was actually, um, c- would consist of mountains of snow. So that was the problem, is that uh, he did forecast six more weeks of winter, but he didn't tell us that it was going to be that ridiculous. Well, it's all about transparency. Phil. Transparency in the government. That's right. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we're right. looking at these days. All right, Phil, get your act together. <laughs> Forward those emails. Transparency. But you have to think, 30,000 people on average flock to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania that every every year to we, see that. We should do that now next how year, big Joe. What a, do you think? How big of a city is Punxsutawney? I mean, you got to be talking to interstate, of, or the intersection of two... Probably state highways. Uh, probably on average. Uh, average about 5,000. Maybe 10. Yeah, at most. You know, right. and then with the influx of 30,000 people. So you got a tourist attraction, essentially. You know, yeah. you, yeah, you one have time a, a groundhog that you'll pull out of a wooden stump. <laughs> who's the fifth in line. <laughs> and he's 39% accurate. Right. Because he's too sauced. <laughs> and hey, guys, while you're here, why don't you go to the gift shop? <laughs> Get some pork chicken. Right. <laughs> Phil. There are other animals who predict the future. Oh, really, Joe? Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us more about them? There is Paul, the World Cup Wonder Octopus, who has a pretty decent rating. I think it's more than 39% accuracy. If Joe can talk about an, an octopus, he just always talks about an octopus. I do. We need to have an actual cephalopod episode. A cephalopod, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, there is Oscar the Cat. Who is supposedly able to tell when you're gonna die? Oh, th- now Oscar, he uh, he lives in a nursing home, right? Right. 
And right. if if uh, you know someone is is ready for the end, mm-hmm. he'll go and he'll sit on their, their lap room, and right? kind and of like take sleep. care of them. Yeah. So they all run from Oscar, I believe. Is actually what happens <laughs> as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. There's a crocodile that predicts uh, political opponents. Really? Where, mm-hmm. Where's that? Australia. And the crocodile's name is Harry, and he weighed in on a, a few different elections for uh, prime ministers. Really? So he's a Harry Croc. I'm right. <laughs> All right. So up next, let's talk about Lonesome George. Oh, this is like the saddest story ever. You, okay, if you don't want to be bummed out, fast forward about wait, 10, wait, wait, 15 wait, wait, minutes. Wait. <laughs> wait. The, I, as I was researching Lonesome George, it totally reminded me of the never-ending story. Oh, really? Do you remember that scene yeah, yeah. where the turtle, the big giant tortoise comes out of the swamp? Mm-hmm. We don't care whether <laughs> or not we care. We you are logic. flashback. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's what I think of Lonesome George. I think of that. I think of that tortoise. We're allergic <laughs> to humans. Oh, he keeps on sneezing on a tree. Yeah, right? I remember. And it, like he goes sh- flying back into the swamp. Yeah, and then it, and then it, um, Artex. Yes. Don't go. Dude, don't give him the sadness, a, Artex. Why do we have to bring that up? Such a flashback. But that's <laughs> such what, a flashback. <laughs> Lonesome George makes me think of Neverending Story. Just the correlation. God dang it, Joe. <laughs> Is that a tear? Going back to like eight years tear? old here. Yeah. You come back to hard times. Sorry, right, we we'll just wait for Falcor and everything will be good. Just wait. He's a luck dragon. <laughs> he is a absolutely gigantic tortoise. He is. He's massive. Chris, what was his last approximated age? Oh, they um, don't have one. Well, they think. He's estimated between 100 and 120 years old. Yeah. Right. So who made him famous well he he wasn't charles darwin mm-hmm. yeah basically basically he that tortoise was probably around when darwin was studying the galapagos islands right and evolution. that is insane it's insane to think that there's animals that can outlive humans oh easily. i mean on that massive oh, yeah. scale easily I mean, uh, they have actually studied other uh shells and fossils of tortoises on on the galapagos islands some of them date back easily 250 years. Okay, so when we talk about Lonesome George, he's not the exception to the rule. He's no, pretty no. much standard. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, a lot of people say that he passed away midlife. Midlife, so... <laughs> At 100, 120 years. He was a young man. <laughs> right. He was a spry 120. <laughs> the really cool thing about George, well, cool and not so cool... He was the last of his species and, of tortoise. And what, what well, is this? He was his, the final uh, <clears throat> of his. There are, are. Why do you think they call him Lonesome George? Right. He there's, was lonesome. There are <laughs> a couple hundred different kinds of tortoises. Right. But his various species. His specific species, the Chelondoius nigra abingdoni, that species of tortoise no longer exists yeah other than some dna samples they have yeah that was actually a a subspecies but uh and and that is his subspecies Mm -hmm. of that type of giant tortoise so giant tortoise still roams yes well here's the thing really no one had seen one of these since uh 1906 
these massive reptiles were last seen in 1906, and they were considered extinct until 1972, when they were when uh, Lonesome George was discovered. He was then thought to be around 60 years old on the Pinta Island, and that is on in the Galapagos in Ecuador. The archipelago. Right, yeah. right. So he was a young man at this point. He was mm-hmm. just hitting his prime. Yeah. Now, they uh, scientists had hoped that George was sire an offspring with a related species of tortoise, where he lived uh, for 13 years with two potential mates, all with uh, 13 eggs that produced during the time they were all infertile. Yeah, supposedly when he was... First taken to, uh, I don't want to say it was a zoo per se, but when they were first taken to this like holding area, uh, which, you know, like a proto zoo kind of thing in the early days, uh, he didn't much like humans and he kind of shied away from other tortoises as well. So that's pretty much why he got the name Lonesome George, because he was always kind of off in the corner, you know, the wallflower. A loner, Dottie. Yeah. He's a rebel. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, uh, apparently, the tortoises of his type could feasibly live up to about 200 years old. Well, I think that I did read that about tortoises in the whole. I think the oldest tortoise I read about was 250 years old. So, this makes Lonesome George, uh, you know... Standard, I, I would yeah. suppose, for right, his age. Right. Oh, actually, a little young. Yeah, I mean, a 100 to 120. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when they they realized him at 60, I mean, he was, well, he was just a young man at this point. Yeah, right. really. Yeah. Just coming into his May, Maybe middle age. So. But he didn't want to hit it with those ladies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think he did. I think well, they just didn't get fertilized. They just. You know, so, just right. but that's out. that's the th- weird thing about you know species and subspecies that you know it makes it a little bit harder. You know, oh, sure. to, to happen. Yeah. So um, now uh, here's the sad thing. On the morning of June 24th, 2012, Lonesome George was found dead in his corral by his caretaker. <clears throat> he died, scientists later determined, from natural causes. His death shocked those uh, who cared about him uh, due to his young age um, because, you know, like I said, his particular subspecies can live to be like 200. So he died about 100 years early? Yeah. Jeez, that sucks for Lonesome George. Now, uh, here's the here's the, not necessarily the best part, but in 2013, researchers defrosted Lonesome George from his deep freeze that he was kept from his death. And uh, taxidermists have gone about preserving and uh, mounting uh, the giant tortoise for posterity. Uh, the preservation effort costs cost about three uh, i'm sorry thirty thousand dollars and took more than a year yeah, uh, they actually shipped his body in refrigerated crates to new york to get this done yeah so basically they they took and they they put him in a position so his neck's kind of up a little higher mm-hmm. like he would be eating on like uh, some tree branches and George. things like that well and it's the more grand of positions for a tortoise, for a tortoise yeah, yeah he looks yeah. very regal he does. I have to be yeah, honest with you, with an, his out, outstretched neck. I just right. want to mention that the episode that I, uh, I'm sorry, the webpage that I was originally looking at, where mm-hmm. they had said that Lonesome George has been, you know, uh, taxidermied, right. said that uh, he had been stuffed. And it made me kind of angry <laughs> after our, after our taxidermy episode. episode. And we found out that taxidermists <laughs> don't like the term stuffed. Right. They like the term mounted. It's because like if you tattoo stuff artists it, saying it's a gun. Exactly, it's not a gun, right? It's yeah, a it's machine. not a gun, it's a machine. Right. So, same thing. So, Chris, where is he now? He's on display at the American 
Museum of Natural History through January 4th of 2015, which obviously is over right now. So he right. isn't any longer there. Uh, he will probably be... Oh, be, shit, be, it is 2015. Yeah, he will probably be uh, sent back to the Charles Darwin Research Station on uh, Santa Cruz Island. Where's Santa Cruz okay, Island? Where, so in the archipelago. The, the Ecuadorian of, government feels that George should return to the capital, capital city of Quinto, where mm-hmm. he can be seen by the greatest number of visitors. But the local mayor of the Galapagos believes that George should uh, return to the breeding center where he spent his final 40 years. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of in a debate about that right no, now. Right. Go to his natural habitat. That's what I would yeah. say. Let George be back where George belongs. And where again, found. again, this goes kind of with the uh, the Puxatawney Phil thing, is that every year for 40 or 50 years, you'd have something like thirty to 40,000 people a year just coming to the Galapagos Islands to see this the tortoise. Turtle. Yeah. You know? and, and the caretaker that, that basically raised him for 40 years, uh, he was the this most single most person who spent the most time with him and he actually his caretaker a basic you know a, a zookeeper right actually gave you know uh information to the researchers on his behavior and his you know diet and stuff like that like because he was with them for 40 years that joe, is really cool joe me and your parents you know our kids are going to mature at 18 you know at mm-hmm. 18 they're basically men you know, well, they're going to move on. Chris is a parent, too. Well, yeah, Chris is a parent, too. <laughs> but they're going to move on. They're going to be men. Mm-hmm. And so at 18, you've spent 18 years, and they're going to do their own thing at that point. Right. You know? And, yeah, you'll have some influence on them. Could you imagine meeting a species that was already mature, but mm-hmm. you have to be there to care for them? So right. you spend 40 years of your life caring for that That's... species. And then one day they're dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Where does that put you? I mean, you spent 40 years. That's not 18 years. That's mm-hmm. not 18 years seeing maturity over the course and of that. And a human life averages, what, right. 80 years? And you're not, in those 18 years, you're seeing so much metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. When you meet that turtle, he's already mature. And you're watching 40 years of the same turtle. Yeah, but how do you, a, a tortoise's age range, you know, 1 to 250? It's the opposite of dog years. One. It's yeah, exactly. the opposite of dog exactly. years. You know, one so, for every seven. By the it's time, probably seven for every one. By the time his caretaker met him, he was probably in his early, early 20s, teens. 30s. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You know? like exactly. <laughs> exactly. Me. So uh, just here's just kind of like a little bit of an uplifting thing at the very end of that. This mm. is a National Geographic story that I found. Uh, there are some Yale University researchers that revealed that some of the DNA from George's ancestors may still be alive in some uh, of these tortoises in yes. a remote area of Ecuador's Galapagos Islands, known as, check this out, Joe. I know mm. you love this. The area is known as Volcano Wolf. Awesome. Is <laughs> New that band a, name. That is, <laughs> that's <Volcano>. almost, <laughs> New that's band name. It's almost as good as Airwolf, right? It is. I mean, it's that's close. <laughs> what was that? that it's even uh, better that than TV Airwolf. show about the, the flying werewolf. Helicopter. Right. No. What? Oh, anyway. <laughs> that was Werewolf. Volcano. Oh, sorry. Which was an awesome show. But Airwolf he, was awesome, did too. Did he fly in a helicopter or something? I don't know. <laughs> that would I get be it, awesome. I, I get it all confused. Uh, you can't beat a wolf that comes out of a volcano. I mean, that's pretty much <laughs> the most badass <laughs> thing no, that ever happened. He is that a is. wolf made of lava. 
So it's a lava wolf coming to get you. <laughs> All right, so back to George. Uh, okay, so it's the secluded, secluded, secluded northern tip of Isabella, another Galapagos island. The researchers have identified 17 hybrid descendants of C. Abogodone. Right. The, the, basically, the 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 the, the his main, species, the his main subspecies. species. Yes. Yeah. With a population of 1,667 tortoises, a genetic testing identified three males, nine females. Five juveniles, all under the age of twenty, with D, uh, with DNA from his subspecies. Nice. The presence of juveniles suggests that a purebred species may exist on the island too, which is, I mean, amazing. Which well, means I, that Lonesome George might have not been so, so lonesome. lonesome. Right, but you also have to understand is that when Darwin first started studying the Galapagos Islands, there were something like three hundred thousand tortoises. Now there's maybe about twenty thousand. You're you're probably gonna wind up with like an and evolutionary only, bottleneck, like. But you know that's what I mean? only due to humanity. Late fifties and sixties, when they started the resurgence of we need to protect these animals. Here's the weird thing about uh, about you know they think his relatives you know are alive you know possibly thirty miles from Pinta Island where Lonesome George was found. Uh huh. They think that the either the ocean currents carried them, or it's also possible that crews in the 19th century, like whaling vessels, mm-hmm. they hunted, uh, you know, these kind of animals, you know, all the time. Yeah, like uh, you know, from on the Pinta Islands for oil and meat, and they carried live tortoises on their ships. And the reason why they did that is because they can survive up to 12 months without any kind of food or water. They just have a slow metabolism that makes these creatures useful. Yeah, you know, was, they were basically like a four-legged can of spam. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which mm-hmm. is really gross now when we think about it. But yeah, they, but that's what, what I mean? they used them for. But I'm fairly sure that Darwin also ate a few of the tortoises. Uh, quite a bit. Was, yeah, when he was quite doing a that. Bit, yes. So basically, you know, they can use them as a source of meat to stave off scurvy on long sea voyages. Uh, but during, like, naval conflicts, uh, because these tortoises would weigh 200 to 600 pounds, they were just thrown off the ship. Yeah. You know, when they needed to lighten the weight so they, they mm-hmm. could, you know— go about you know doing their naval battle and these are tortoises not turtles did i say turtle no 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 no. what i'm what i'm saying is when you do toss a giant 600 pound tortoise off a ship they will sink like a stone yeah but they also can no swim not a little bit no well, I, okay. I, anyway, the point <laughs> is, is that if they're tossing these off, they're saying that they could feasibly go find their way to shore and then, uh, you know, the and smaller then, and survive ones, yes. there. The so that is, ones, is yes. basically what they what they're uh, insinuating. So, yeah. so they could have been tossed that. near other islands, mm-hmm. and then they went to those islands, and that's how they got so far mm-hmm. was because they were on these whaling vessels and tossed off. Right. But the moral of that story is there's hope for the species. Let's uh let's talk about Oliver the chimp. Yes, please. He was a chimpanzee, or some people call him a humanzee. Now he was uh, kind of tough. Don't call him a, a pansy. No, not a pansy. A humanzee. You said he was a chimpanzee. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. So Oliver, he kind of started coming about during the 1970s. Okay. Uh, basically, he came over from the Congo mm-hmm. uh, with two other chimps, but. Uh, Oliver was much, much different. He had uh, some features that were much more closely regarded as human than Mm -hmm. a lot of other apes. Uh, I mean, there was 
you know, several things that he would do that was very strange. He also had nothing to do with any of the other chimps. Well, he wouldn't hang out with them. Yeah. He wouldn't like hold hands and mm-hmm. do other things that other chimps would. He was very much a loner. Well, and there's a reason, there, kind of a reason for that, is in the the family group of uh, chimpanzees, when someone looks different, mm-hmm. acts different, they're usually the outcast. They're shunned. Yes. Just like in our society. Right? <laughs> exactly. Right? right. Uh, if uh, there's a, a chimp that is an albino, they will tend to be on the outskirts, you know? And oh, I, I'm, I have some stuff about uh, some white apes later on. We'll, we'll discuss that too. But he was very much the same because mm-hmm. he did not look like the rest of the pack or, or family group that he was placed in. He was, he was shunned. Yeah, and his intelligence and personality were also different. Mm-hmm. One of the strangest things about him was uh, he didn't really walk. Uh, he walked as a bipedal animal. Instead yeah. of walking on all fours. And, and most chimps would, can do that and yeah. do it regularly. But they but don't, don't do it on a sustained basis. Exactly. Yeah, right. he, yeah, chose... he did it all the time. Yeah. Uh, he could also be sent on chores. He would take wheelbarrows of uh, an empty hay into uh, like and straw into the stalls of other animals. Uh, when it was time to feed the dogs, he would get the pans, mix the dog food. Hmm. Uh, he would uh, also uh, he had kind of very human habits where he, at the end of the night he would drink a, a cup of coffee as a nightcap. Um, he would enjoy sitting down and having a drink and watching television uh, with his owner. He'd pour a shot of whiskey and put some Seven Up and stir it up himself and drink it. Nice. It's like someone was teaching him these things. You know what? Yeah. He sounds you know? like a cool guy to hang out with. He does. Honestly, he I, does. I'd like to spend a Friday night with him. I mean, yeah. chimps are probably one of my favorite primates besides orangutans. Uh, just they're just so interesting and they can learn so much. Well, and we're what? Two chromosomes away. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that where our our genetic match is, from what I understand, I'm not sure exactly how genetics works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not, you know, like a, a geneticist. Gene- geneticist. Yeah. But from what I understand, <laughs> uh, like there's, it's either 95 to 99 percent a match yeah, of, right. of the same genetics. Yeah, right. it's okay. crazy. So we have just a very specific deviance. Yeah, and in, they have, I think, like two more chromosomes than we do, something like it, that. Yeah, two more. Two more yeah. than we do, okay? Right. Uh, so um, basically what a humanzy is, now I believe they've actually done genetic testing on him and he was not a, a hybrid or a He was a supposed to be a regular chimp based off yeah. their testing, right? Exactly, right. He but just, he just looked like... Yeah, it was. it's almost like a... Um, I don't want to say deformity, but it was just the structure of his face. In the chimp sense of the word, he was a deformed chimp. Right. 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 And also, during his later years, he had male pattern baldness. Right. Which makes me and you and him one the same. (laughs) Joe doesn't have male pattern baldness. (laughs) That's just you and me, buddy. It's just me and you. But a lot of chimps have that. (laughs) A lot of older chimps have that. Well, you know, it's not just the chimps, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, he wasn't special with that. Like, a lot of very, very old, you know, the ones that, that reach, like, their 60s and 70s, they get really gray and get that sort of, you know, crown. The monk look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they do have that. So he that wasn't specialized to him. So although he technically wasn't a humanzy, right. uh, they, they call him that because a humanzy would be a uh, would be a, uh, a a male father with a chimp mother, just right. like you have a tiger 
or I'm sorry, a tiger and a lion, you would have a uh, tigon, which would be a tiger father. And the reverse of that would be a liger. A ligon, right. right. And you also a liger. A liger. Uh, well, it's there's, well, then also when you start mixing them up even further, because between those two groups, you have, can have like a tie tigon and a liligon, where you have, you can actually, Seriously? no, You're you can't because, it down so far. because they, um, it's kind of weird. Like, like the chromosomes come together like a zipper, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they match up completely, like right. tigers and, and lions actually match up so much mm-hmm. that instead of, unlike mules, which is a, a donkey and, um, and a, a horse, horse. Right. Right. They have an odd number of chromosomes. Yes. Okay. So they don't quite match up. So it's like a zipper, but then you have a few extra little zipper pieces hanging off at the end. Or something's caught in the zipper. Exactly. Right. right? Like the, what is it? <laughs> be, be, for Frank and Beans. Frank beans and above beans. the Frank. It's beans above the Frank. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So they have like a few extra things, little dongles there, right? Little chromosome <laughs> dongles. So, right. uh, so basically, but with a like a tiger and a, a, a lion, mm-hmm. they kind of match up more appropriately. So when you have like a ligon, a ligon right? A lion father, mm-hmm. a tiger mother, you can actually, they can actually breed right uh with another animal and have like a lag leg on and a tie oh, tie so it, it, yes. it can go a little further exponential yeah. possibilities yeah. depending because on they the can actually reproduce yes. unlike a mule which could not and also a humanzi or which would uh or the flip of that would be a uh a chuman a chuman <laughs> yeah but yeah, Chris, yeah it, it's oh, what they are. Know, if we're talking about the most human ape that ever was, is he really a humanzi? I mean, it, he's not. Although they do call him right, the humanzi. Right. So, so actually, bonobos, which there's only five great apes. There's humans, uh, chimpanzees, orangutans, bonobos, gorillas, and, and gorillas. Yes. Right. Right. So we're actually a little bit closer related to bonobos than any of them. Yes. Right. So you're talking about uh, a chimpanzee that. Looked and acted and 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 was probably intelligent on the point that he could understand some of the same things that humanity understands. But he was not a humanzi. No, he was not actually a humanzi. He was just coined that because of his 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 looks, his looks. and yeah. his uh, his abilities, his right upright right. bipedal motion. But I mean, you have to understand. He was probably born in early fifties, and someone. Probably taught him a few things. It was the sensationalism of the age as well. I mean, you're not talking about modern day uh, apes, you know, even modern day apes. Yeah. So, well, it was in 1976 that he started approaching sexual maturity. Mm -hmm. uh, And he started uh, basically really trying to mate with a lot of uh, things, people, other things. chimps, uh, well, human women as oh, well. okay. So, um, and uh, I believe, Jason, we were kind of talking about this before, but this was uh, Burgers that originally owned him, uh, and uh, Burgers' wife uh, basically said, this is not going to happen. Right. He is she not going to, yeah. She cut him off because of his sexual innuendos i believe it was because of his sexual organ was trying to get into her (laughs) and advancing yes and and she did not want a chuman so uh so eventually he was sold to a man named michael miller uh and his partner for about eight thousand dollars and he was a new york city lawyer uh and he of course saw dollar signs and he took him uh around japan uh to you know uh, 26 million you know people that viewed him when he went to japan and you know all over the united states as well was Um, that when he was uh 
showcased or exhibited in the Enchanted Village? No, that was in Buena Vista Park. Oh, okay. That so was... that was during the same time. Okay, so that's when they transferred him over there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was when uh, eventually he was owned by a series of West Coast animal trainers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, because Michael Miller actually gave Oliver to a man named Ralph Helfer. Helfer, yeah. H-E-L-F-E-R. Yeah. Right. He was actually exhibited as a freak, uh, and he would be shown two or three times a day, and he'd walk out onto the stage while another fellow talked to him, and they had uh, theories that he was a half-man, half-ape, and that was all part of the show. Right. Oliver was then purchased in 1989 by the Buckshire Corporation, a Pennsylvania laboratory leasing out animals for scientific and cosmetic testing. And of there course, at that yeah. point, yeah, at that point, you're thinking he's going to get cut open and tested right. and prodded. Tested, yeah. But apparently, he was actually kind of saved all of that because of his odd nature. Mm-hmm. They thought that his genetics were were so kind of out there that uh, that he wouldn't be a good model. Right. Right. So right. you want you want your average everyday bunny to stick things on and put lipstick on or whatever. You don't want <laughs> right. you don't want a you want your Cadbury bunny. You so, don't want your... yeah. You don't want like a you know a weird anomaly. Which right. is what Oliver absolutely was. He was intelligent. Uh, you know, he was smart. He he wanted to mate with anything. You know what I mean? Actually, mm-hmm. it kind of sounds like me. <laughs> My 20s. There it is. There it is. Where did he spend the rest of his days? Well, he was actually in... Uh, it was a little bit later on. It was in, what was it, 96? Yeah, he spent nine years with the Buckshire Corporation. And then 96, 97 is when the... Primarily primates uh, organization petitioned his retirement. Yeah, basically, it's like a chimpanzee retirement community. Yeah. yeah. So they pulled him into retirement. Yeah. About the time yeah, of the base. Macarena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I took a sip of my beer and almost spit it out <laughs> when you said that. So here's the thing is that. Although, you know, we, we pretty much know from the genetic testing that he is not a humanzy, that hasn't stopped people from trying to create humanzies. Uh, there's uh, the guy, a guy named Ivanich Ivanov. He was a gifted scientist and dedicated uh, conservationist who was uh, trying to understand as, as animal husbandry. Yes. Um, now, this uh, he was actually around in like the early 1900s. Yep. And the early 1900s, so kind of to explain this era, this was also, this was a time in animal husbandry where we pretty much get all of our dog breeds from, right? Mm -hmm. Like the early 1900s. So you have like all these dog breeds that, you know, that never existed before, you know what I mean? And they, you know, people were trying to create all these different, you know, hybrids of dogs. So, you know, it wasn't strange for him to go. Well, you know, maybe we can make a humanzy, right? Just like well, how we make, you know, a mule. Yes, but the dogs, the dog thing, they were basically created for specific tasks. Right. You know, uh, like a, a, a Dosh Hound was created to go in those little rabbit holes. Yeah, aren't they like badger hunters or something? Yeah, yeah badgers no. and yeah. rabbits. Yes. You know, that's why they have those long cylindrical bodies to get in those little holes and yeah. you can... Pull them right back out, and then mm-hmm. make a rabbit or your badger. But why would you create a, a human? human? Why Chimpanzee. wouldn't you? I mean, you don't you don't want to you don't want to create like a well, you want to bridge a gap. The Nazis tried that as well, right? And they tried it with a different approach. They actually tried surgically uh, replacing uh, body parts. 
Yeah, but I don't think that worked very well. No, See, no, it didn't. I, but <laughs> w- the thing was that Ivanov, all he wanted to do was, you know, uh, take, uh, uh, you know, his and his son's sperm. <laughs> what? And put it in uh, female chimpanzees. Uh, but the Wait, problem old-fashioned is, rules or no, no, scientific they, they, rules? Well, I mean, scientific rules. I would hope you <laughs> okay. would. What you know in the scientific paper, it says that technically uh, he he artificially inseminated okay, them. Good. Okay. Okay. And also, technically, they probably didn't use his sperm. But don't you think maybe he did? Oh, dude, without a doubt. <laughs> right without now. a doubt. I mean, what are we talking? Like the Soviets? Yeah, this yeah. is the oh, USSR. God, don't, yeah. USSR. Yeah, no, if there was ever a cover-up in the world. <laughs> During like the 1920s the and 1930s. <laughs> He's so, fucking the ape. Without a doubt. I guarantee it. In 1977, researcher Michael Bedford discovered that human sperm could penetrate the protector outer, prote- protective outer membrane of a given egg, which is uh, genetically the ape that's furthest from humans. So if hmm. human sperm can actually penetrate the furthest from, you know, from us in right. our in our family of, right. of, you know, of great apes uh, or uh, really any kind of ape or, or mm-hmm. monkey. Uh, a very close genetic match to us, we should definitely be able to penetrate. Okay, right? so... I, well, huh. Well, let, me, let me back that was up. He, <laughs> wait, was he... Okay, so what you're saying is possibly there was a guy who had sex with an ape and proceeded to produce. Well, yeah, well, Ivanov, yeah, basically he... Okay, he wasn't necessarily having sex with an ape. He was a scientist who was trying to impregnate... Uh, not him. Apes. Not him. But the person that brought forth the ape. Oh, in the nineteen seventy seven. Yes. Okay. No, he was just testing to see if it was if uh, if in, it was in, possible. If it was possible, Bedford. Right. Uh, but this. Uh, but Ivanov in you know this is like the early nineteen hundreds. Okay. He was actually in you know trying to impregnate uh, you know real chimpanzees the only problem was is that he could not find any chimpanzees that were in captivity i'm willing of, to go with this well no that, that <laughs> were actually of breeding age yes so yes. so that was his problem so instead he decided to go the other way mm-hmm. where he got women and got chimpanzee sperm and decided to try and put it in the women now you have to think this is 19 you know 1900s 1930s Ooh. russia and, yeah. you know, so all the women were down. Right. So he got a group of women, and mm-hmm. then uh, he was promptly arrested. <laughs> uh, promptly. <laughs> he should be. Because yeah. they've all seen Jurassic Park. Right. <laughs> they know what happens. You see how it comes. So he was actually arrested, and he was sent, uh, sentenced to exile of five years out of the USSR. Really? Uh, yeah. So uh, during that time, before the five years was over, about two years into it, he actually had a stroke and passed away. Oh. Hmm. So uh, pretty much we haven't had any, you know, one trying to do this uh, since he's passed. Good. But I don't know how. <laughs> I say good. All I'm saying is, you know, I don't know how we explain Oliver. No, Oliver. I, I could probably explain Oliver, but I won't. No, I, I, I honestly think that it was just every, every human's face is different. Yeah, but Joe, he's got not just human features, human mm-hmm. abilities. Yeah, but I think the abilities were, I, is what throws me off. But I don't think that was nature. I think that was nurture. There's nurture involved with that. I think I those mean, are learned to a certain extent. Yeah, but I think those are learnt traits. There's been other animals that have been bro- born in a zoo, brought up in a zoo by mm-hmm. human teachers, and they should have those same abilities. Should. 
but not all chimps are as bright. Just like all humans. Not all humans are as bright as okay. the next one. But you combine the features and the abilities. Hmm. Question. So, Joe, I know you're going to like this. Uh, do you like Lovecraft? Uh, yeah. I know you do. A lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, one of the things that I like uh, is uh, listening to LibriVox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the audio <laughs> recordings. One of my favorites. So, they, they you know, record audio books that are what, not out of print. What, what is it called? Out of uh, registry. Right? So, you can't be sued what's that called <laughs> yeah yeah out of copyright yes okay so uh, the, uh so basically I, I subscribe to the uh lovecraft one mm-hmm. from lever vox and i listened to this one the other day well a, a few months ago and i was like wow this would be great for this episode and i decided to listen to it again and it's called facts concerning the late arthur german and his family mm, yeah that is a good one it is a good one uh but it is basically about a man. Well, let me give you the sum up. Yeah, okay, do it. All right. So no spoilers for a uh, you know <laughs> a 1931 novella. Uh, <laughs> right. There's going to be some spoilers. But basically, uh, Arthur German found out that his great 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 grandpa mm-hmm. went to Africa, found a bizarre white ape woman, mm-hmm. had sex with her, uh, and then he decided to go out and burn himself alive after he found out. Sure. Which is the basic story. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns along the way. Mm-hmm. Not really. But basically, you know. <laughs> there's like two. Yeah, like two twists and turns. Yeah. My favorite part, quite frankly, is where uh, one of his uh, one of his ancestors along his line that mm-hmm. had this, you know, ape blood in him, ape, mm-hmm. you know, ge- ge- uh, geology. Genealogy. Genealogy in mm-hmm. him uh, was actually an animal trainer for a, uh, for, you know, a circus. Yeah. And he was a gorilla trainer. And the, <laughs> as and, you and, would. As you would. And he had a boxing match with a gorilla that's kind of like played out, kind yeah. of like wrestling, right? Yeah. So he would really box fun. the gorilla. It's really funny. He, he goes and he boxes the gorilla and the gorilla punches him like way too hard in the gut. Mm-hmm. And he gets all mad and he jumps on the gorilla and like bites the gorilla's neck. And as they, being the animal, and the gorilla as being the, is being the more human. Yeah, of the and it's yeah. it's so so funny, but it's 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 pretty good. But you know, really underlying underneath of it all, mm. much like Lovecraft's work, it's pretty racist, <laughs> <laughs> pretty sexist, pretty racist. And there may be fish people involved. Yeah. So I mean, just to let you know, it is fairly racist. So yes. if you can't handle that kind of thing, don't listen to it. But if if you do, uh. Take a listen to that one. It's really good. And if you just want the cliff notes on it, uh, there's a podcast that I love called HP Podcraft, which they talk Mm -hmm. about all kind of Lovecraft uh, stuff and inspired stuff. And I also listen to that right, you know, about this. That particular particular novella after I was done listening to it. Okay. So uh, so you guys should uh, definitely enjoy that one. And it's a it's very much akin made me think of Oliver the Chimp. Yeah. When I was listening to it. Free State Guitar. At Free State Custom Guitars, our specialty is guitars. Modifications, custom paint jobs, logo designs, repairs, and much more. You can now own the guitar you've dreamed of. Check out our signature series, Guitars Made by Musicians for Musicians. Visit us at freestateguitars.com and follow us on Twitter at FreestateGTRS. If you're ready to rock, we're ready to rock with you. Oh my God, this is really funny. So <laughs> I just want to mention this, okay? Has anybody ever watched any of the drunk histories? 
Uh, no. No? No. It's on like Comedy Central. I've TV. seen it. originally was a YouTube. Do, look thing. at me, TV. No, like TV. Okay, so as we've I've been sitting here, <laughs> Joe and I have both had like a beer. Two each. beers. Yeah, so before we showed up, Jason had already had like three or four 14, cups of, apparently. Yeah, like, so you're <laughs> about to get some drunk history from Jason. Jason, is, you were getting some drunk Jason is really three sheets right now. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was in this, this case, but I am in this case. But you, uh, but uh, basically, uh, when we came up with our five things, we said one of them we wanted to give to you uh-huh. for you to have all uh-huh. on your own, and you let us know all about it. Uh-huh. So we're going to be the students. You're going to be the teacher. Uh-huh. It's like Master. a first for us. Well, Actually, it's not a first for us because you, you were know. you were really good in the foot episode as well. Yeah, you well, were the master. Well, you know, it's it's the reverse of the situation. I like to think of myself as kind of a spectator on most of these deals, and I come in here and I I give my piece and I listen and I hear and I come up with questions but tonight i have some historical fact and uh history is my kind of deal so tonight we're going to talk about caligula and specifically caligula's horse mm. well because caligula is not a notable animal right no, well no. S- some people would say he was <laughs> well they might they might caligula is kind of an asshole <laughs> and there's that well i just want to just give joe some room and time to do his I'm thing. not going to do it. it. Come on, you always I'm do it. When do we, bring, it. we bring up Caligula like no. every three episodes, and I, every single is, time. It's him and Dee Snyder. Okay? <laughs> those are recurring, <laughs> those are recurring, recurring characters themes. for the Curioso. Yeah. <laughs> now, if we can just redo that old 70s Playboy Caligula film with, with Dee, Dee Snyder, Snyder, we would be we would be. Golden. I would be happy. We would be golden, Wait, Tony Boy. Actually, I wouldn't be happy. I'd probably be disgusted. But anyway, we're talking about in the name of Rome. <laughs> That's how it would be. Total D. Snyder. We're not talking about Caligula, D. Snyder, or Playboy. We're talking about Caligula's horse. Incatatus. No, we're not. <laughs> Jesus not Christ. anymore. How okay. can I proceed that? D. Snyder All always right, derails right, an I'm episode. Try this. Incatatus. Incatatus is. Uh, which Caligula's means, horse. Right. And which now, which cl- means swift or at a full gallop. At a full gallop, right. Now, the horse really didn't do anything spectacular. The The horse only lucked into the deal. This it is It was true. basically like, like the horse won a lottery. So he's basically like uh, like one of the Hilton twins or whatever, mm-hmm. right? They just sit Wait, around no, no, no. like no, those, They those just were... sit around and look pretty. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm sorry. I'm mixing that up. The Hilton twins were actually the two conjoined twins yes. that were actually... <laughs> no, you're talking about the Hilton, the Hilton, the Hilton sisters. sisters. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Think yes. about the Hilton sisters when we talk about... In- Incatatus. Incatatus. Well, they both look very similar. Now, Caligula, if you don't know him, was a pretty uh, eccentric Roman emperor. And when we talk about eccentric, like, uh, he was not just eccentric there's been a lot of eccentric people in history he's one of the most eccentric people throughout history so take it with two grains of salt uh there's two really good accounts of caligula's rule and one was very pro caligula and one was very anti caligula so you when they talk about his accounts of this horse you can't really take one as being historical fact the rest were lost throughout history and then beyond that, there was a couple of people who wrote more, but they were revisionist history. Some people thought about Caligula's horse as like a metaphor uh, for 
opulence and extravagance. Is that so? Like, uh, it's kind of like Plato with uh, Atlantis. It's right, kind of right. like they they don't think he actually existed. Like it's a metaphor. Well, no, Plato well, existed. No, no, no. But Plato, when he first described Atlantis as it, a story to teach his students, yeah, as a metaphor for yes. uh, you know basically the hierarchy and what you and know what I mean. What the, can happen? The more frou frou and crazy you get, the the more the harder you will fall. Yeah, basically. So is that is that kind of how it is, or it, did it's the did same. Incatatus actually exist? No, the no, horse the, actually the horse existed. actually existed. But what they what they think is more of like he was like satire. Uh, he so, might have been like satire. So, so Caligula was satirizing the, the Senate in this, this case. Yes. In this case, he was satirizing he the actually, Senate. He actually gave uh, his horse a seat on the Senate. Didn't he, he? he gave the horse a seat. Not only did he give, <laughs> not only did he give him a seat, he gave him he gave him a lot more than just a seat on the Senate. He gave him uh, basically all if you would equate it to modern rappers. It was uh, just opulence in every sense of the word. He had a a manger made out of i uh, ivory. Like a marble stable, a marble stable, you know, <laughs> like like purple satin sheets. Yeah, um, they fed him gold gold flakes in his oats. You know, like <laughs> I mean, I was wearing gold plated diapers. <laughs> now listen, when you talk about Caligula, he looked at himself as like a god, a god amongst mm-hmm. people, and he looked to his older uh, benefactors, which would have been like uh, Julius Caesar. And right. more specifically, like Alexander the Great. So yes. Alexander had uh, Bucephalus, which was his horse, which actually was a horse that actually did things. It wasn't just yeah, it was a, a war horse. Like yeah, yeah. He he led him into multiple battles and actually died in battle. And mm-hmm. so from then on, it was kind of like the jam. Like it was hip to have a horse and man that did stuff. Be one, like you right, know, like right. you were what it was. Like you go out and you just show up, like like Guns and Roses, you know. Like, I'm like, like, this is true. Basically, the uh, the the slash to his axle, the slash to his axle. That's exactly yes. what I was gonna say. Yes. I just like the fact that uh, if they fed the horse like gold flakes in his oats, the stable boy, oh, he was rich. Spent a lot of extra time, rich, picking through some horse dookie. You know what I mean? Some I horse turds, too. horse apples. Chris, in my understanding of this whole situation, was the stable boys were just something else, like. The horse supposedly invited dignitaries to come eat dinner with them. Invited. <laughs> like yeah, to his stable? No, to his, yeah, to his stable, which was not just any stable. No, I mean, no, And he also brought Incatatus into his actual court to eat with everyone else. And then well, would go next door to the vomitorium and come back and eat more with the horse. My understanding is this, that he was... On the verge of making this horse a consul, which in Roman history, the consul is the basically the highest position you can have in the council. But yeah, well, you're basically the the right hand of of essentially of Caesar. the president. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you are, you're you are the right hand man. Mm-hmm. So he was going to make this horse his right hand man. Now the yeah, horse so never knew anything else. Right hoof. So in uh in in terms of Game of Thrones, he would be the hand of the king. Exactly. Or the hoof of the king. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, Incatatus, he never really did anything special. He was just more on the scene at the right time in the right like place. Like a sex machine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Caligula was Get something up, else. Us. 
We're talking about Caligula horses. You made the the joke, so I just, sorry. I had to I finish it. Didn't mean to derail. <laughs> sorry, D Snyder. But in modern times, didn't mean to D Snyder. In modern times, you can use this horse as like a metaphor for opulence and political extravagance. Of course, you know, yeah. like it, of, of course of the horse. Of course of the horse. I, you you build something up so much that you think that it actually means something, but the mm. truth is. It's just another animal. And, you know, there's animals that we've talked about in these two episodes that actually did do something right. with their right. life. Voitech. Right. Voitech. You know, carried shells. And, mm-hmm. you know, Gustav. Even, you know, Gustav was kind of a son of a bitch, but he ate a lot of boys. <laughs> he right. made something with At least no. he did. <laughs> he made something of himself. <laughs> right. No, Incatatus is basically just mane and tail and pretty. He showed up at the right time, but he happened yeah. to be on the, one of the most extravagant and eccentric and opulent. Roman emperors of right. uh, what essentially was uh, a piece of history where he would have been basically Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the horse was Joe Biden. Right, exactly. He was uh, the second most powerful man in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, horse. And to think about that in the sense of a horse mm-hmm. that didn't really have any recourse on the whole thing, just happened to be there. That's, uh, to me, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's... It, Important. So he was no Mr. Ed. No. And there was more horses. There was more... I mean, looking through the, the research on this, there was mm-hmm. plenty more animals that could have fit the bill for my spiel. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to just straight famous... Yeah. Uh, at that point, the Roman people thought that Caligula's horse was basically... He wasn't chain. even uh He wasn't even a clever Hans, necessarily. No. no. He no. was... But you have to understand, like... I think Caligula was probably a little... He was a little cheeky, you know? And Caligula I, was I a lot of things. I wouldn't call I, him cheeky. But I don't really think he respected the Senate or council or... You know what I mean? Like, he Here's was the more thing for about himself. Horse. Here's the whole thing about his horse. There's two different opinions on this. And there's only real two accounts from that time period. One was very pro-Caligula. One was very anti-Caligula. Mm-hmm. So you have those two varying aspects right now there's revisionist history after that fact so you have people that were very Mm anti-caligula that came through years later that refined history Mm -hmm. so how great of a ruler was caligula i mean he built the aqueducts he did a lot of good things for the roman empire i mean you had to figure he was in there at the prime time one of the prime times yeah um but at the same point there's a lot of the guy historical. spent a lot of money on a horse. Well, I also a lot heard of he historical threw some fact that says that that guy was just crazy as hell. I, I, yeah. I heard he threw some great orgies. Orgies being got the, one of the things. I mean, Incatatus, then he got the syphilis. <laughs> that should not be as funny as it was. <laughs> I'm be just saying, it's a, it's a good old Latin word. Well, yes. <laughs> I have nothing... More because, <laughs> because there's there's nothing nothing that we like uh, trying to say better than Latin words. We're so true. good at that, Joe. Yeah, yeah, we are very good at that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny when we try to actually pronounce something in a different language. Mm-hmm. It comes out sounding so terrible. Everyone else like practices it and tries I, it, I and know. we're just like, no, I'm just going to read it the way I think it's going to be said, <laughs> and we just go with it. Right. So, but there, I think we have Incatatus correct. I, I think so. I, you know what? Incatatus took me a whole day to learn. <laughs> really? <laughs> when I looked at it first, I was like, eh, Jesus Christ. It's, it kind of makes me makes me want frittatas. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got the same yeah. frittatas. Frittatas. Yeah. With some nice uh, queso fresco, <laughs> you know? And some uh, chopped chives on the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can, yeah, I can go for some nicotatas yeah. right now. <laughs> but he's a metaphor for future failures. Don't be uh, incatatas. Because he's just a scapegoat for opulence, essentially. Yeah, so pony up so and do some real work. So if you buy a great car, and you can't afford it, and it's kind of beyond your means. Mm-hmm. That's a horse of a different color. Yeah, you've got Ninkatatas. Right. You're spending way too much money on something that doesn't mean anything. Gotcha. Tilikum. Ah. Uh, yeah, and until I looked it up, I thought it was Attila the Killer Whale. No. And I kept on looking that yeah, it's up. It's a wrestler. Oh, is it? No, I'm joking. Oh well, no! no I, I thought I you kept you were like Tilla, and I, no, I kept on looking Tilla, and I kept on getting Attila the Killer. No, and are... I, I think that's a rapper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I kept on looking this up and couldn't uh-huh. figure it out. So I actually haven't done a whole. Well, okay. You Let's haven't... say this: I really haven't done any research for this. And you haven't seen Blackfish. I haven't seen Blackfish I've because seen I Blackfish. heard Jason, it was. You've seen Blackfish. Depressing. Blackfish is pretty depressing. So mainly for this, uh, I'm going to take the attitude that I'm going to learn, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm just going to give moral support to you guys. <laughs> okay. okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, Telecom the killer whale. Is he a an orca whale? Yes, he's an orca whale. Okay, so he's like the orca whales in SeaWorld. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, he is. You, have you ever been to SeaWorld, Chris? I've never been to SeaWorld. What's the closest sea world there is on the East Coast? I think it would uh, Florida, be Florida. Yeah. Florida. 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 I've been to Florida twice in my Florida. life. Florida. Okay. Yeah. The, first, the first time I was in Florida, it snowed. And the second time, I really didn't leave the resort that I was in because we were uh, staying with my brother-in-law, whose parents live in, like, a golf resort. And there's, like, a zoo that's, like, five minutes from there and a yeah. water park that's five minutes from there. So I just spent all my time there. So I didn't go to Disney World or SeaWorld or anything like that. So SeaWorld kind of has a personal mean to me. Like I was raised, uh, I, I was born in Tacoma, but I was raised in San Antonio, Texas, where there is a SeaWorld. And um, we used to go to SeaWorld for our field trips for school and specifically for our field trips with like daycare. Mm-hmm. And so we'd go watch Shamu and go sit in the splash zone. And you'd go out there and watch these orca whales go up and do magnificent tricks and that was the highlight of your day basically you know i i my first concert was alabama at SeaWorld, but it wasn't about alabama it was about the whales so it, you saw alabama at SeaWorld in texas yes <laughs> that's crazy okay yes <laughs> yeah that was my first concert what if you I saw mean, texas in alabama well you know there's is there <laughs> so much dichotomy on this is there you know? a band called texas no what if you saw kansas and alabama at a SeaWorld in florida <laughs> Oh, you know. Florida. <laughs> Do I say it like that? No, no, that's how they say it. Oh, okay. But, you know, the moral of the story is I used to go to these places and watch these whales go out and perform their tricks and get splashed uh, by uh, the salt water and do see, all those now, things. See, now, us in the sideshow, we call it feats. This well, feats, yeah. I mean, they would do their feats, and their and feats me, were amazing. Yeah, and me, I call it prodding. Well, At least with the orcas. It I have was to prod you to perform. You perform all the time. Honestly, when you're not on I mean, stage. To, to look back at you know, I'm I'm 30 years old now, 31 years old now. Mm. To look back when I was uh, 10, 11 years old, mm-hmm. to, uh, to go out and watch these uh, magnificent animals do these yeah. tricks, it was 
Well, it was prodding. They basically did what you see, like, uh, you know, if you go to a Shriner Circus, mm-hmm. um, watch the animals do their tricks. The elephants do their, their hind leg things. It was yeah. no different. Yeah. The only difference is they're aquatic animals. But Well, let, let's actually talk about Tilikum. The, the whale. The, the whale himself. Now, I know SeaWorld, you know, the SeaWorld. I feel do. like this is going to be a whale of a tail. It, it kind of is. It's a whale of a tail. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It really uh, is. I knew of several, just in my upbringing, uh, of killer whale attacks, not all SeaWorld related, none in the wild. Okay, mind you, no killer whale has ever attacked a human in the wild. But Tilikum himself measures 22.5 feet long. That's huge. That's like a bus. That's my living room. (laughs) Weighs... Over 12,000 pounds. That's like eight times what I weigh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> His pectoral fin, even though it's all curved over from stress, would measure seven feet long. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I didn't know I mean, that. It, you're talking a massive, massive creature. Animal. Right. Well, whales are the biggest mammal well, but that exists, no right? specifically well, killer whales are not any joke they are sociable animals they are yes. animals that set up societies and pods pods and yes. are one of the closest relatives to humans humans that <laughs> humans. we have <laughs> they are really honestly not that far off from chimps when it comes to dolphins and whales i equate to dogs yeah, like especially dolphins. You mean like intelligence wise? Intelligence wise, uh, yes. yeah, society wise. They set up yes. social Packs atmospheres, social yes. atmospheres. Yes. So, Tilikum was captured near Iceland in November 1983, over 30 years ago, at only two years old. One of the strange things they did back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, with when they would uh, capture whales, killer whales, and dolphins. They would cover them in lanolin, like cover their, they pull them out of the water. Oh, sheep grease. Yeah, cover their entire bodies in lanolin. And they would stay that way for a couple of weeks sometimes before they were transported to an actual zoo or holding pen or whatever. So first off, being pulled out of the water at a year or two years old, away from your pod, your family, who actually realizes you're gone. Right. You know, cares about your ass. There, there's video, especially in, in the, the Blackfish uh, right. documentary, where they're they're showing this old like 70s footage of uh, of a, a killer whale capture, and they captured this like two year old infant, and the rest of the pod is basically on the top of the water, looking and and vocalizing, basically saying, "Where are you? Where yeah. are you?" And the the infant. You know, I say infant, but you know, a year old, two year old uh, baby killer whale is responding with these high pitched, horrible sounds. Right. It is like heartbreaking. And so, Tilikum, same thing, you know, snatched from the wild, basically, covered in lanolin, uh, layers and layers of sheep grease, uh, and then transported to a, a facility. Right. This little teeny tiny, you know, water pen, water cage that barely held, you know, this giant 13 foot baby. (laughs) And then he was 
taught and forced to perform. What I really want to talk about is the the legacy, the the Tilikum over the 30 years it's been in captivity has killed three people. Uh, I believe two trainers and one actual just caretaker of a, of a zoo, a park. A guy that just dropped in. Tilikum sired something like 21 or 22 calves. Now, some people say that uh, if it's a genetic disposition to kill people, then you're looking at 22 other possible killers. But, I mean, at that point, you're looking at, uh, you know, nature versus nurture. Exactly. And that's what I'm yep. saying with, with any, any smart animal in captivity can cause damage. Right. Because they're not meant to be in captivity. Now, there's something to say about that when you're talking about, like, a shit, a mongoose or a fucking anaconda. You know, animals that don't have the sense to really understand. Right. I mean, but you're talking about one anyway. of the closest mammals to <clears throat> humans. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to social structure. Right. You're talking about an animal that understands uh, a lot more than what we probably give him credit for in the first and place. And it's 12,000 pounds. And it's 12,000 pounds. With and foot-long teeth. And has a history of killing people. And uh, so if he's I don't, sired I, I, 20 other individuals. Right. And if they're treated all the same, you know, in these sort of captive pens with the poking and the prodding and, and the, the starvation techniques for teaching them tricks or feats, right. as Chris would say, then you have the capacity of having... Like I said, twenty more possible. You have the killers. capacity for finding one or two of those that are going to be really massive killers. Yeah. Okay. So as we've been talking, I was kind of looking up, you know, a few stats. Yes. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> the tank that he's contained in has point zero 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 one percent of the quantity of water that he would transverse uh, transverse in a single day in nature. Yeah. So basically, he's confined to a very, very small area. That's right? like so me living in a bathtub. Yep. He's frustrated right yeah. off the bat. He's kind of like living in New York. Yeah. No. no. Nah, even New worse. York, there's more space. Well, even you can uh, New York and never leaving your apartment. Right? That okay? There you go. Yes. There you go. On top of that, he has the massiveness to understand that he can kill people. I mean, he's well, not that dumb. And I don't. I don't think. If you watched the the documentary Blackfish, uh, it's it's slanted more towards the the you know save the whales kind of people, right? Which is fine, but they do put forth a very very good argument that the only way for this this you know creature to express itself and it's you know it, it was shunned by the other whales that it was caged with. You know, it got bit, it got, you know, harassed by the other whales, probably because it was smaller. The only way for it to vocalize and express itself it ended up being violence. And I don't well, think it was on purpose. No, he was forced into another pod of some mature females that mm -hmm. did not want anything to do with him. Right. So you're bringing in a baby into a situation where the mom... There's already a hierarchy. Yeah, it's not his mom's. It's right. other moms that don't want anything to do with him. So mm -hmm. this baby has to make his own way. Right. And he's dealing with a capacity that's one one thousandth of his normal daily size. Yeah. So he has to make his way. Well, you're an aggressive male. You have... Size, 
what are you going to do with your size? You're going to get only, angry. And the only things that really want to interact with you are these tiny little creatures, you know, who ride on your back. Right. And that are going to throw you some fish every now and then. Right. right. Who also use, you know, starvation techniques and, and a bunch of other things that will probably just exacerbate your frustrations. Right. It sounds like, guys, that you're saying that they don't treat these whales very well. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of saying that. Uh, if you ever watched the documentary, you, I mean, you understand what we're coming It's a very, from. very hard documentary to watch. Really? It yeah, that's really why I hard. haven't done it. Uh, you should you know. not watch that if you are any kind of a humanitarian. Yes. And if you care about, like, killer whales. It's kind of like just killer a, whales, but any, any like... Uh, okay, species. Let me tell you a story. Captivity. Yeah, let me tell you a story. I lived in Colorado for about seven years. I worked for a fencing company, and we did primarily, like, industrial fences. You know, uh, we did one for the military site out there, a couple for large commercial sites. We did one for the... Denver Zoo. Now, at the Denver Zoo, they were putting in, I believe it was uh, African wild dogs, and they, they burrow and dig a lot. Every morning, I would have to be there at like 6 o'clock in the morning. No one is there at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I was lucky enough to see some of the animals in, in their quote-unquote natural habitat all by themselves, no people screaming at them, nothing. But walking in at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning and seeing these giant, massive orangutans and, and elephants and uh, rhinoceroses in these tiny little holding cages and the look on their faces of just sheer agony and that, like, almost, just kill me. Please just kill me. It breaks your heart, you know? And it's, it's a really, really powerful thing to see that in some other creature's behavior I'm not, I'm not trying to humanize them but seeing the the you know slowed reaction time the sort of lethargic you know oh god i gotta do this again today and you know wave and be nice nice to these human creatures that keep me in this tiny little cage right i can understand the the sort of reaction from you know a, a very smart you know creature to to vent that frustration on the other creatures it's caged with or the people that handle it. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it's just... Oh, no, I get you. You should see the, the, the documentary, Chris. Yeah. But it is hard to watch. It's, I, I'll it's probably spend some time on both, watching it. But on I, both I just, ends, it's yeah. hard to watch. I mean, you know, here's, here's the thing is that uh, I have a tendency to watch... Hitler documentaries uh, <laughs> as I'm going to sleep and then Why? I wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and it's like and I'm like and I, I wake up you know what I mean I'm like oh Hitler shut up man I'm trying to go to sleep so you're afraid you're going to be chomping at Dana or something in the yeah, middle of the night you know what I mean I don't know I don't know what could happen <laughs> you know what I mean no, no. and she's going to go we're going to need a bigger bed <laughs> He's got a really good point. It's not about so much the species of the animal. It's about seeing the fucking contingencies of what we do to these animals and True. captivity as a whole. Like you bring animals out of their natural sphere and you put them into place and where you can go observe them and everybody has a good time to go watch them. But it's not necessarily what what is intended for them. Well, and I understand, but it's also you know uh, you have a tendency to think of you know let's think of canines, dogs. Mm. They're well, domesticated. They live with us. They yeah, live in our homes. you take that as two different things, dude. Like dogs, or if you put them out in the, the wild, okay, so you can take dingoes. You know, African 
you know, wild dogs. Wolves. Yeah, they thrive. Yeah, they do their best in their habitat. But you're talking about dogs that are domesticated. Over hundreds of Hundreds years. of years to be specified for so many different roles. You're, you're talking, talking about killer whales. Killer whales don't get fucking refined for any kind of role besides being a killer whale. And doing tricks. Right. So there's two different types of killer whales. There's killer whales in their natural environment, and there's killer whales at SeaWorld. And that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> right. There's no difference. There are... But yeah, but this, you're talking two different there's mindsets. No, there's, there's two differences. There's really differences um, in those senses. People do fucked up things to animals. People do really fucked up things to animals. And when you talk about like a guy, oh God, he shocked his animal. He fucking kicked his animals in the head. He hung his animal. He dogfighted his animal. Yeah, that's all bastard shit to do. Now, think about it on a massive scale where you're yeah. making millions of dollars a year. Yes. But and thousands of people come every day. People get outraged <laughs> when animals are physically abused, physically mistreated. But they don't realize that the things that they pay money to go watch are the exact same things that are happening. And that's what Blackfish talks about. So, uh, and very much the same how, with all of the animals we talked about. How many people has uh, Tillicum, or as I like to call him, Tilla the Killer, whale? Well, it, how many Tilly. Tilly? Is, yeah. yeah. How many people has uh, he actually killed? Three. Three. He's killed three people. Three people in 30 years. Dude, he's basically a serial killer. Yeah. Like, he's he didn't do him in one... Killer. He didn't do him in one time. When you talk about murders over a span of time, that's serial killer shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's a and serial, most, and serial the killer. the same way. Where the, and would, he's still alive. And he, he would is, drag them down. Well, I mean, what, you know, you know Edison isn't offspring. alive anymore, so it's not like we're going he's to... He's not a serial killer. No, no, but I'm saying, you know, like Edison, you know, with uh, uh, Topsy, the elephant... You know, he, no, that was he, to prove a point. Well, well, against yeah, uh, yes, yes, against Tesla. Right. However, he did <laughs> electrocute a elephant for being a killer elephant. So but he's he not wasn't. alive anymore. We're not going to, you know, electrocute uh, uh, Tilly. No, or Tilly. No. What they, so what? what where? More... Where is Tilly come at? Where? Where is he now? Uh, where is he at now? Southern Cal. Uh, I think he's in Florida. I believe he's back with. SeaWorld. Oh no, he's and is still he still performing? No, I don't. I don't believe he's no, performing anymore. No, they won't perform him, but they but breed him. He is, yeah, he is a breeding whale. So he's That's just a he's he a he's a whale sperm donor. Think exactly. about like sperm whale donor. think about yeah. like a rodeo. Think about like a rodeo bull, like the 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 rodeo bulls that guys ride, like the ones that they're really out there for like eight seconds on. Right, and, yeah. and the That's ones silicone. in in Spain where they have the the bullfights. Right, you have the you know he's a prime fucking species. Yes. He is breeding stock. He's a breeding bull. Yeah. But only, only because that's all they can do with him. That's the only thing they got left. Because they can't but, dude, they have, have the him biggest before. whale in captivity. They have him in their ownership. All they're going to do is breed the fuck out of that cow. Well, no. Bull. Breed the fuck out of that bull until he can't breed anymore. Right. And gonna, he's going to die. But he's a murderer. So you every every it's, killer it's whale almost, you it's breed like going to prison a free and lawful person and becoming a murderer in prison. Right. Right. Now what are his offspring gonna do? That's a question. Well cool. I just I just read here, you know, while we were talking that something like fifty four percent of 
killer whales in captivity are or his offspring. His offspring. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So what are his offspring? And you know what the, the captivity consists of? Primarily SeaWorld right. companies. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like so around what, the world. Yeah. Yeah. If he's a killer already, he killed humans. What are his offspring going to do? Well, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Is it nature versus nurture? Uh, but is it these animals that are kept in captivity? Well, and, uh, and the thing are with, they used to the captivity, and that's okay because well, the, they're used to it. Or it goes back to the dog issue. When you birth a calf in captivity, that's all they know. So they're more than likely not going to be killers, right? But when you steal them from the wild and take them away from their natural pods and families and cause all the stress and, and stuff like that, they're, you're, you're throwing them into, you know, uh, a meat grinder of emotions, you know? So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it could be nature versus nurture when it comes to being born in captivity. Yeah. They it, could be used to that, and that's how, the, how, what they know and as life, and that, that's And that's it. how we domesticated, you know, dogs. Yeah. You know, right. and, and cows and horses and, and everything else we've domesticated. So I don't know. If that, if that one killer whale had 10 babies, 10 babies, you got to figure at least two of those babies are going to follow on. They're going to have the propensity to die. Yeah, the propensity but to fucking I, be killers. But if they're born in captivity, raised with nothing else, then who's to say? But he is he is definitely an interesting case. Killer whales themselves are amazing creatures. And that was my pick. All right, Curiosos. Well, <laughs> this uh, was a downer episode. Yeah, it's great to end on a downer like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we went through it. Yeah, we've been the span, the gambit, if you will. This is true. Yeah. With the cards, and they light up, and you can blow stuff up with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love yeah. gambit. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for uh, joining us for Downer Notable Animals too. <laughs> thank you for no having me, Curiosos. Uh, anytime. Anytime, Jason. Really. Uh, and we're going to have to talk about uh, what you're going to be on next. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we've already covered feet. We've covered two notable animals episodes. I covered from the my sky. feet socks. Uh, we did from the sky, yes. So we'll leave this open-ended. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. You'll be on another one. Yeah, I can't continue. doubt it. I'm repeat, <laughs> I'm repeat guest. And you know, yeah. uh, just last episode, we hit our two-year anniversary. Oh. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ, we've I feel like I should get my nipples pierced. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to end the show. <laughs> See you guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash the Curioso Podcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curioso podcast you can also check out our videos youtube.com backslash curioso podcast on the left hand side of the curioso.com you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link and if you're a real curioso we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on itunes it will help us get more listeners and it'll make you feel good about yourself Oh, you mean like that Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day?
Oh, wait, we're not going to start over again? You guys suck. <laughs> Don't drive angry. Ned? Ned Ryerson? <laughs> <laughs> we can keep that joke up all night long. Das ist true. <laughs> all right, next animal. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Done. Fuck's a Donnerville. That's all you get, folks. <laughs> All right, come on, go into it. What? I, I...